Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, here we are at episode 186. 186, how about that? So we're fast approaching episode 200. If you think we should celebrate it with a special guest and you've got any ideas on who you might like, drop us a line on Instagram at ministryofarts.org. I'll take a look and do my best to try and get hold of them. And this time it's definitely not going to be me, which is how we celebrated episode 100. It was funny, it was interesting, it was even sad in places, but it did push my editing know-how to the limits. So yeah, drop us a line with any ideas. But anyway, Back to episode 186. Today, I'm taking you to meet Adam Bridgeland. I've known Adam for several years now. He's a studio manager at Good Old Jealous Gallery in London. On paper, I'm sure you'd call him a printmaker who predominantly uses text in his artwork. But more recently, that text has taken a new form on different materials. One of his public text pieces is part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week which we talk about in this episode. So if you happen to be in the Kensington Chelsea area, go over to Kensington Chelsea Art Week's Instagram page, which is KCAW London, and you'll be able to find out where Adam's artwork is situated, along with all the others on the Art Week. But rather than me telling you all about Adam and his work, come and hear it from the man himself. At this point, I'm going to throw in this little bit of audio, which may well sound different from what you've listened to already, but... During this podcast, at some point, there will be an added piece of audio. That is because the piece in question that Adam has put into the Kensington and Chelsea art trail hadn't come to fruition when we first recorded the podcast. It has since. So I've just this minute had a quick Zoom call to get a little bit of information from Adam about this artwork. Adam was at work, so the (laughs) the quietest place he had to record was up on the roof of Jealous. Um, So it's going to sound a little different. But there you go. Enjoy. Um, yeah, no, they're about two metres long, the signs. Um, those are, I mean, the reason they were made at that size originally was because I'm pretty stubborn when it comes down to asking for help. Oh, so, man, I'm the same. It really holds you back, doesn't it? Yeah, so um, the only reason they're that size is because, well, two reasons. It sounds so mundane, but when you're thinking about things like this, is one, they can fit in my car, and two... I can install it. I can on my own if I really, really want to. Um, so yeah, these are there's these are um, a couple here um, were at um, installed last year for First Light Festival. Nice. I think my, one might be going down into London next week or a week after, but 
we're currently talking about permits and blah blah at the moment which is always for most you know for, for yeah, it's always fun isn't it i watched always, i sat and watched mtech um installing an artwork the other week unbelievable they are. Yeah. they're fucking great aren't they yeah i mean they used to do a lot of stuff because i on my 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 journey as an artist or, or in my art career i worked for tate for a long time installing oh, nice. so mtech were often brought in uh, to do the heavy heavy grown-up stuff <laughs> sure they did they did the um one of the most impressive installs I saw at Tate Britain was they did. Do you remember Fiona Banner put the um, the planes in the Devine galleries? You know, oh, that was brilliant, that. wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sure they did that. I'm sure they did that, and that was just unbelievable. It was. We weren't allowed to touch heavy machinery like that. We weren't yeah. qualified enough. I mean, we were just given we were just given is a is a, a ratchet screwdriver and put some work up on the wall. All right. Yeah, You'd, you hurt your nails, you will. Because one of those aeroplanes was just standing yeah. on the tip, wasn't it? Amazing, unbelievable. And I'm quite sure that she had them melted down and made into ingots. That I don't know. That I don't know about. But because I, I think I went to the that was then the Jerwood Gallery on okay. in Hastings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I walked in, and there was a on a pallet was a load of these aluminium ingots. And they, you think they're the planes? And I'm sure I read that they were the planes because I was I was quite impressed that. Uh, I witnessed the two big aeroplanes yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then I'm yeah, witnessing them again in a different form. I thought it was amazing. Well, I, know, I mean, we did the um, Roger Heons um, install as well for the Turner Prize when he, when he kind of, he took the plane and then he kind of chopped it down in, or kind of into dust yeah. and then that was scattered across the gallery. I remember doing that as well, but um, I didn't realise about Fiona's. Yeah, Tate was, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to start talking about. No, no it's the journey, um, isn't it? I mean, going back to Tate, it's amazing how that job for me probably influenced a lot of what I do in terms of my the care. I know it sounds, you know, the care in which I, I take when it comes down to presentation of works, because that's something that you just don't think about when you're at, um, at art school. You just make things, don't you? You just like, yeah. throw it out. But actually working at Tate, it kind of really gave me a kind of understanding of how to present, how to make things, you know, able to display them, essentially. Yeah. You know, so it's such an important part of things, you know, like the business side of things, you know, that you just don't get taught like art school. You learn mm. it and that's what happens. But anyway, enough about my previous employments. I could talk about my salary packing factory. <laughs> <career. Yeah. laughs> but how long was you at the Tate for? Um, Tate, I left, I remember 2006. So when I left, so basically from, since I left the Royal College in 2006, I've always been freelance, you know. And I remember my, we would, it was a degree show at the Royal College and, and they were looking for freelance art handlers at the Tate. And, and my wife said to me, you've got to get a job just in case the art doesn't pay. And I was like, oh, come on, I've got so much to do, love. I've got, I've got <laughs> yeah. you know, five prints to make. Or, you know, you know how it's like. <laughs> um, and she goes, just shut up and do it. Yeah, come on, just get it done. Anyway, I'll help you. Anyway, she did. She did. She, she helped me, do, you know, for, for, I'm forever you know, thankful for that because I'd have never done it. Probably wouldn't have got the job. Um, but yeah, I stayed there until 2013, 2014. Basically, when, basically when my art career jealous has really taken off and also Tate it kind of kind of run its journey a lot of you know Tate's a kind of breeding ground for training really good techs and then them going on to another role so yeah the, the, the kind of the kind of school of, of, of techs that I joined with um had gone off to House and Worth um you know um Courtauld Hayward and all that uh, to get you know head tech head tech um roles um and so t I think 2013 last job I did was the Damien Hurst um, retrospective and that was just weird because he brought his own people in anyway to install so we never we didn't really do anything yeah <laughs> so but I kind of just was like it was that kind of you know the journey had kind of come to its end but it was six seven years of it just very brilliant brilliant team it's just a you know if you if I was telling anybody to get a job out of art school go, go and work for Tate they're a superb organization well what, so, yeah I loved it what I can imagine that does do for you which took me a long time to realize it makes you sort of realize what's achievable yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Because as an artist, you sort of you're just working a couple of artworks in front mentally, aren't yeah, yeah, you? Yeah. You know, um, and then you can go, well, I, I can do this bigger because I've seen it being done. You know, it doesn't cost fifty grand to put this exhibition on; it can be done in five. You know. No, no, it's great. I mean, oh, yeah, like I said, we just worked with some great Doy, Peter Doy. We did Peter Doig exhibition. It was a Britain. That was amazing. That was. You know, it just it was yeah, it was just a properly good time. But I think I got I, I learned early on again going back to the fact that when I left Royal College, it kind of went freelance. 
I realised you could juggle jobs. That's the thing I realised early on. You could yeah. have a career where you could I'm, I'm do my art, and I'll do, but I'll also do a bit of teaching. I'll do a bit of work here, a bit of work there, and and you're building all that up. And I suppose it's only recently where you know we'll come, come on to jealous and my art career and blah blah and how we mer- that merges and, and and kind of intertwines. But it's only in the last few years that that it's really got to a point where I've got to go. I can't I can't do that. But when you're starting off, just you've got to, you can't be precious about what you do. If you if it, you you got to make a living. You got to make you got to make money to make time to make your art. That's the basically yeah. what you got to do, and that's what I. That's what we did. I did jobs to then give me the time to then make work to then do what I trained to do, which is be an artist. Well, if I can just put the handbrake on this conversation a sec and just mention that I have seven questions that I ask each artist. Yep. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? <laughs> Um, I'm an artist who predominantly uses printmaking. Probably that's probably the best way of describing me. Yeah. But I would, I think that a lot of people label me a printmaker because one, I work for Jealous. Two, yeah. I trained as a printmaker. But the only reason I trained as a printmaker is is because my foundation course when I was doing it, I was a painter, and the teacher there said, "You paint like you're a printmaker." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, okay. What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, the repetition. It's you know. Have you ever looked at screen?" I was like, "You know." New Warhol, I knew Lichtenstein, you know, Jasper Johns, all of those people. That was what spoke to me as a, as a, as a young artist in my foundation. And I looked at, you know, I just did screen printing for the first time when I was at, you know, foundation. And it just grabbed me, the, the fact that you could take something, put it onto a screen and then replicate it. The way I've kind of developed is, I mean, it's, always, it's, a, it's an in-joke at the studio, is that I'm probably the most qualified if you look at what... <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you looks at a piece of paper and what I've done. I'm a, I'm, you know, a master, master of arts, apparently. Apparently I am. But at the Royal College, it didn't, didn't teach me how to print properly. Yeah. I took what, I, what they had there to use it for my art pro- programme. So anybody coming into Jealous and going, oh, we need a you know, 30 colour print. There's no point in talking to me. There's no point in talking to me. You'll be lucky if you get two out of me if they're in register, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's why, that's why there's unbelievable people there working because I didn't do that. I didn't train to do that. And that's the thing. So I think that I use a lot of printmaking, do a lot of sculpture. I do I, I, multiples, the, the, the multiple interests me. The fact that, but also when we're doing additions, I like the fact that it's an addition, but I can hand finish it. So each one is slightly different. So it becomes yeah. unique in its own way. So I like the fact that there's something that exists but everything is slightly different. I know that, I know that people were like, I don't like that, but, but, but that, that for me, that makes it exciting. If I was just doing the same thing, I'm, I'm not sure if I, uh, it, it, it would talk to me as much. But that's, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I just kind of go from project to project, um, making work that interests me and I hope that some people latch on and enjoy what I'm doing too. I mean, uh, the last three, four years have been amazing, um, you know, but I think, you know, you, you build up, you build up, you take little things and you, it goes like that, up your, yeah. your career, doesn't it? And and you celebrate what goes up there and, you know... Very, Try to forget what goes down well, there. Forget what's going down there. <laughs> but um, I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky, in, you know, in the, the jobs I've been given. And I think that, again, going back to what we were talking about jobs, I've always looked at those jobs as um, informing my practice as well. Yes, there's things that I've done which, you know, you throw away, but most of the things I've done, I've been very lucky in getting those jobs, working for some very, very good people. Um, and I think that that has helped inform uh, my practice. Did you have creativity in home growing up? Uh, Mum and dad weren't, really. Dad worked for uh, the NFU as an insurance uh, manager, and my mum worked at home. She did. Uh, my, the, only, the, only, the only person I can remember who had creativity was my granddad. And he, I remember... Not massively, but I just remember him sitting down. Going back to planes, I remember him sitting down and showing me an easy way to draw a biplane. And I remember that. But that's the only thing that um, I remember. Really. So where did your journey start then, do you think? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I love, as a kid, I loved drawing planes, racing cars and birds. Brilliant. That was the first three things. And all oh, in fight scenes. Everyone, every kid loves a fight scene. My, my, my youngest, my youngest draws massacres on a grand scale you know <laughs> but those are the four things and I just remember it just being really excited by drawing and excited by creating Draw, drawing really I didn't yeah in terms of making sculptures and multiples I, yeah I, I don't think yeah it wasn't like at 12 years old I was out making huge things but 
Yeah, drawing. Drawing's what grabbed me. And then I think that probably, probably the secondary school teacher, my art's secondary school teacher, probably nurtured something that was there. I know that he was quite, a, I mean, a lot of people were frightened of him, but he, for me, he, I just got, got him he, he, and he got me and he was yeah. brilliant. A guy called Mr. McPherson, brilliant man. And he just, yeah, I think he nurtured that. And I think I just, I was, I, it's something I see now and I, I complain a lot about, but I don't think there's enough art in education. But I think that without those teachers, I probably wouldn't have gone into an art career, but they, they saw something and they, and they kind of gave it an exciting edge and that developed into what, what, you know, going to art school and blah, blah, blah. Well, most kids at that age who have got a creative ability, they just see it as something they enjoy doing. They don't realise that there could be more to, to their doodle or to their, mm. you know, to their painting. When you have a teacher like that showing you there are possibilities, then that's when you sort of pick your chin up a little bit and, and sort of have a look around, isn't it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that... I mean, I think the one thing I will say is my mum and dad were very good at taking us to museums and taking us to collections, art collections and things. I remember my mum being really interested by the Bloomsbury Group, you know, Charleston and things. And maybe that's affected the way I work with objects because, you know, I did love the way they just painted everything, you know, like a cupboard, let's just paint it. Yeah. You know, and I think, but, you know, I remember them taking me to a lot of those and the Fitzwilliam, you know, I grew up around Cambridge. So we went to the Fitzwilliam a lot, Kettle's Yard a lot. And I, I remember seeing a Klaus Oldenburg exhibition when I was about 15. And that really affected me. That, I was like, well, that's, you know, how do, how, where does that go? You know, what, how does he, has he got to that point? And so I think that, you know, going back to what my mum and dad, you know, saying they weren't creative. I think they probably were in, in taking me to, to collections and uh, museums, yeah. which is very, again very important. You don't think of it at the time. You think, you know, but but, but it goes in, doesn't it? And it, it I never, never that. done that as a child, not at all. So I think I've got, to, you know, I have to say that I'm thankful for that. I mean, I'm an, and also my love of planes. My nan used to take me. She used to live in Mill Hill, and so my nan used to, you know, we used to go down nice. and spend. Yeah. And and she go, where do you want to go? Okay, Hendon, <laughs> RAF Museum. What? You beat? You went there last week? No, I want to go again. <laughs> So that's probably that's probably infected, yeah. Again, I don't know. And has that carried on through till today? You're interested in planes? I'm still, I still kind of, I'm still the kind of person who looks at the sky and points at a plane. I mean, I'm, I must look so simple, but it's a plane. Still a standard that they're I'm, up there. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by flight. I'm scared of flying. That's the main thing. I, when I, I have to get on a plane. <laughs> I get on a plane. I get on a plane. I'm absolutely <laughs> terrified. People will talk to you about the fact that I take a stone with me and I rub it as a worry stone. But, yeah. I mean, I lose pints of sweat. I mean, I remember, we all went out to LA to do the Baker, Charm and Baker show in, in yeah. 2013. Brilliant. And it's the first time that anybody really had flown with me in there. And I said, listen, I wouldn't sit near me because I am terrible. And I, you know, and everyone, I remember everyone going to go, no, we'll take the piss out of him. We'll take the piss out of him. Like that. Generally, as soon as they saw me on the plane panicking with me stone, right, and things, they genuinely <laughs> felt sorry. They genuinely felt sorry. And everyone now is just like, don't, just don't, don't, just do not attack Adam. Uh, he's just, he's just, he, it just, but I know I have to do it. That's the thing. It's one of those things that I know I have to fly to see the world and to be able to, to, to do things I do. And so it's one of those things that it's, I just, you know, I have to I have to train for weeks. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I but don't it's... think you should knock it because when you look at <laughs> when you look at what it is everyone's doing, there's several hundred tons, several thousand feet in the air. I know it's a By beaker, rights, everyone should be in that state. Yeah. I think the thing is I think it's a control thing. Again, going back to the idea, you know, we're talking about the sign, putting that up and why you make it a certain size, it's a control thing. If I was yeah. flying that plane. Wouldn't have a problem. I'd go, let's go. Crack <laughs> yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm still fascinated by things like that. I'm fascinated by speed, you know, all, all sorts of things. Anything shiny metal. And I mean, I think it's probably the library as well, but kind of the graphics and things. Because if you look at the artwork and you see the motifs within my work, you know, I love you know, graphic, the graphic art, the, 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 the targets, the kind of the logos, and you know, they, they all speak to me. And I suppose yeah. that that's again a product of my childhood you know going and looking at planes and going and looking at motor racing cars and things like that you know they, they, they were big and bright and shiny and and again that you you take that in and that influences what you do and ironically anything that sort of makes your eyes open when you yeah, yeah, say yeah. that yeah yeah definitely 
And when did you decide that you wanted to be an artist or when did you think that art could be a part of you? Probably quite early on, I think, 16, probably 15, 16, probably. I dabbled with thinking about I could be a historian for a little while. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think quite early on, I mean, it kind of just came about. I mean, I just kind of kept on doing it and, and people kept on giving me opportunities. And I think that you snowballed from that, really. Yeah. I'm not sure what else I would have done. I mean, maybe I'd have been... I got offered a job as a secretary once at occupational therapy at a hospital. Didn't want that. <laughs> um, I remember that I did the temping for a while and they thought I was okay at organising, which I am. I'm all right. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I did, yeah, just people just gave me opportunities and it's kind of snowballed. And that's why, that's why I went, you know, going back to the point about, I think, I'm, I think I've been very lucky in, in I think, I've got my head screwed on. I think that people think that I'm quite level-headed in terms yeah. of, and, and, and I, when I've been given responsibility, I've taken it. And I think that that probably speaks a lot when it comes down to decision-making and giving people opportunities. Well, you mentioned a couple of times about working for Jealous or yeah. working with Jealous. And through some of the time that I've spent with Jealous, sort of behind the scenes, as it were, getting to know people from, yeah. from everywhere, it's a bloody gorgeous family to be a part of, isn't it? Well, your family's the most important name with Jealous. I mean, I, I feel incredibly lucky to uh, sort of found it in a way because it came out of nowhere. So I met Dario in 2008, and that was only because we used the same framer. Brilliant. And we, had, and we used the same framer up in, up in, uh, oh God, so just by Finsley Parkway, that way. Yeah. A lady called Rebecca. And she'd said, this Italian man wants to meet you. He likes your work and he wants to discuss, he's got an idea of opening this gallery up. And at that time I was yeah, working Tate, but I was also working at the Royal College doing one, two days a week there, managing their publications. Um, and I'd really enjoyed that, but it kind of, it, it wasn't, it wasn't more work available. So I thought I'll go and see, go and, I'll go and meet him for a coffee, I will. And I thought, listen, I thought I was a little jealous. Mm. Sounds a bit like a hairdresser's clothing brand. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Anyway, let's go and meet him, see what he's like. Anyway, he's infectious. You've met Dario. He's, he's infectious. He's amazing, isn't he? Um, and he's energy, he's bubbly, and and we just seem to hit it off. I, I think that I like what I, I like what he was suggesting. And to be honest with you, when I started, I remember my role was slightly different. My role was, uh, you know, coming in, installing shows, maybe bringing some artists, like an artist liaison type thing, bringing artists like that. And that was it. I wasn't, I wasn't as involved, let's say, but I was there from the start. Matthew was there, printer, really good printer. And then Jess came on board just after me. There was a love, another girl called Ellie. I'm not sure if you met Ellie. No, she so. left um, 2012, 2013. But that was, that was a core team. And, 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 and it developed from that. And, it, and Crouch End, we had one, one screen bed, one digital printer. And that was it for many, many years. And it just seems to struggle. And we, you know, I cannot, you know, we cannot um, underemphasize the, the, the impact of Charming Baker as well. I mean, without Baker, yeah. I think that we, we, we would done done all right, but that really catapulted us yeah. up, up the grade, so to speak. And then I think around about 2010, 2011, I think I said to Dario, we took well, we we're talking, you know, just I said, why don't I manage? Why don't I manage the studio? Because we never had that structure. Matthew was kind of doing it all. And I think that it got a bit too much in terms of printing all the jobs and, and just doing all, all you know the coordination of because we'd also taken up, you know, on more printers at that point as well. So that's where I took. I took the job, and I took them, and that's been like that for the last 11, 12 years. I've been managing the studio. But what's beautiful about the studio is we rarely change. We rarely change. Either I cannot, you know, two two people are maybe left, three people are maybe left in in 12, 13 years, Brilliant. and it is a little family. You know, I think that we just get on, and we just, you know, we understand each other. And I think what also helps is with the exception of maybe one two maybe we're all creatives yeah as well so that helps and so we bounce ideas off each other we have our own careers retrospectively and what's going to happen we also can work with the artists and, and you know we, we you know sometimes we say well why don't you try this way yeah and then that might go take the things somewhere else and things so i think that yeah i think i'm very lucky i think i'm very lucky you know and i think that I mean, I, I don't know, you know, this is a big thing. I don't have a contact with Jealous. I don't. I've, I've, I just work for them. And I've worked for them for 12 years without a contract. And that says something about the bond 
yeah. between the studio Angelus and me is I, I feel very strongly about that place and, and our position within the print world. I feel that we've, I feel that we've, we kind of came out of nowhere really, but we sh- we've shaped a lot of people's opinions about what print and what a studio can be. Um, and that's partly, you know, I, I feel that I'm, I'm a small part of that, but that's partly, you know, I think Dario's energy and all the rest of the team um, and the gallery front house, you know, the fact we've got a front of house is very important as well. You know, not a lot of print studios have that. Print studios are, you know, in warehouses or whatever in studios, but they don't generally have a front of house. Maybe they come to an art fair or two, but we are always there. You know, yeah. we're open. You can come, you can come see the tour, you can come and see the buzz of the studio. And I think that's really, really important. I do. And putting on the shows for the for the artists there as well. Yeah. The gallery has become as well known as the the studios upstairs now, hasn't it? Well, I think the gallery is probably more well known than the studios, if I'm honest. I mean, I've yeah. the number of people who go, so the studio there, so those three floors upstairs, they you make prints up there, and they've been <laughs> yeah. to the gallery what 10, 15 times. Yeah. So I think that the gallery, because it's of where it is in Shoreditch, people probably know that more than the studio. And then when you know when you peel back and then go, oh, the studio upstairs, and you go for that tour and you see the buzz of you know ten. 15 people working running around doing all these various projects these amazing artists you kind of it, it's, it's a bit mind-blowing really well one of my favorite exhibitions was at jealous and that that was charming bakers when there was that ribbon of two prints going all around the yep. gallery and the airplane was just yep, yep. from pretty much from corner to corner in the gallery i thought it was absolutely amazing Dario tried that with a dinosaur again last year as well, didn't he? Oh, I didn't see that one. Um, no, no, I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've always tried to push, you know, people's perceptions of what's possible and, and have a bit of fun. At the end of the day, have a bit of fun. People connect to having fun, you know. But the thing is, we back it up with being serious and being good at what we do. And yeah. that's the thing. I think you, you can, you have a joke and you can do that. But, we, you know, we, we know we can make good work. And I think that that backs us up. So, yeah, long may it continue. I didn't think I'd be here for 14 years. I didn't think that, that would happen, but, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm here and I'm loving so it. So you're I'm... part of its fabric. Well, that's the thing. That's, you know, and, that, you know, but giving it full circle here, that's why it's a family, because yeah. it feels like a family in that respect. And, you know, and it's continuing to go like that at the moment. And we work with, you know, like I said, really exciting artists, both established and emerging ones. You know, we, we've always wanted to work with people coming out of art school, you know, on that beginning of a journey as well. Um, because you never know where it's going to take, you know, you, never, you, know, you, you just don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. Well, your own artwork has taken off over the last few years. I mean, not, not that it hadn't done before, but it's yeah, just I mean, been a bit more prominent over the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I think the pandemic was terrible for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons, uh, one, it was it was good for me. I mean, I think that people, people spent a little bit more time and, and looked and, and kind of, and kind of discovered what I was about. I mean, I, I still don't know why. I started, maybe it was my time for people to stay, start taking some notice. I don't know. I mean, I, I, my, my previous work was very graphic, you know, in terms of very clean lines. And you can, yeah. I mean, you can see it behind there's an old enamel patch up there. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There's another piece I did there for Peacock. And both, are, you know, I really love um, those pieces of work we did. But I wonder, one thing I've wondered is I wondered when the pandemic hit, I started hand painting the text. I finally felt confident about painting my own text. In the past, it's always been image and text and, and it plays off each other and there's always a subversive meaning, yada, 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 but it's very clean. And I wondered whether people connected more to this kind of more painting. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. But I wish I could say to you, I know exactly why it was, but I don't. But I know that for some reason, the phrases and the the way they were created and the way they were on found ephemera and how all those things mixed together, that connected much better. So for anyone that hasn't seen your work, quite often you use um, quite poetic phrases. That, yeah, I, mean, that, I, I presume they're your own poetic yeah, phrases. Yeah, my own phrases. Um, they can sit around for years, they can, and, I'm not, and, and not be used, and then suddenly they'll get right. I mean, the ones that, you know, I need this wilderness for my heart to beat. Doesn't doesn't really do, you know. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Go and put it in a landscape. It works, you know. It it yeah. is, you know. It I, I I try and do things that that people will relate to, and then. But I also want with my artwork. I want 
people to look at them you know if it might be the image at the back there's a subversion there so you've got a surface there and you look oh God, that's nice that's nice and but if you think about it a bit more deeply maybe it takes you somewhere else and that's what yeah. i've always wanted to do with, with my work because i think that i think artwork has the power to do that those poetic phrases they're not sort of um i'm not talking about like life affirming phrases they're they're more to sit and make you reflect aren't they you yeah know? i mean i think they're quite cathartic as well in terms of yeah. you know i get high and i get low you know in terms of moods and things. i think a lot of the phrases are probably connected in personally to um how i feel at the time as well going back to the, you know the signs here in terms of the text i mean they look like wooden pieces pieces of wood with text in them at the moment uh, you know they're not special but what the real star of those pieces is is a landscape it's yeah. because when i install that i know that they'll never be a say it will never look the same at any moment no. do you know what i mean it'll you know you could look at that sign in landscape and go oh, okay go out. and then two minutes later you turn it's different and that's what i love about that it's a mo it's a moving artwork in a way yes the text is placed there but actually the, the superstar is the landscape around yeah. it and all and that and for those that are listening, sorry, Ed, that um, what you're talking about is a wooden sign, two metres long, maybe three or four hundred mil high, and the text has been cut out. Yeah, so yeah, that, right. yeah, so yeah, so yeah, that right. when it's in the landscape, the text is whatever's behind it, normally the sky. Yeah, sky or, you know, we've done the one we did in Business Society, and that's got the East End of London. I mean, in the last year or two, we have got bigger with the signs. So we did the one on Lowestoft Beach, the first light festival. Yeah, that and that was nice. 13 and a half metres long. Nice. And that was, you know, it was, we had to get a team in for that. And we've done a, done a, done a couple of bigger ones. Just because it, you know, where do you go after you've done the small ones? You go, always go bigger. Every artist goes bigger. They go, oh, yeah. And was that the 13 metre one? Was that wood or was it? Yeah, wood. It's marine ply. I like the way the marine ply kind of sits in the landscape after time. Now, all of these things are, are, are genuinely temporary pieces. So a lot of them time, they're only supposed to be there three or four weeks to, to, to cover for an exhibition or whatever. Yeah. But generally what happens is they stay and they stay and they start to, not decay is the wrong word, but they kind of start to kind of sit within the landscape. So, for example, we did one on Felixstowe Beach. Um, right at the entrance of the, the Deben or the Deben River. Yeah. And it was, um, and it's, it was only supposed to be there for five, six weeks. It stayed there for four years. Brilliant. Is it still there now? No. The only thing that took it down was the council took it down because they needed to move some shingle on the beach. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so it, I, I, what I love the fact was that this marine ply had, had survived storms, salty water, blah, blah. And the only thing that destroyed it or took it down was the human hand. And it's the same, you know, we, we did, I've just finished my first core 10 steel one. So my first permanent, nice. permanent one. So that was the one outside the business and design center in London. And that again, that stayed for what, 30th anniversary of London Art Fair 2018. So yeah, four years. And it was only in Storm U at Eunice that it started to wobble. And we were like, right, let's get a permanent one and do it. But I like the fact, I like, you know, they're influenced by, you know, when you go to the harbours and the seaside and you see the signs advertising ferry trips and advertising fish for sale and, you know, all those sorts of things when you're walking around and they're very handmade and they're very of a, of, aesthetically of, of, of a place, yeah? And that's what they are. I make them out of the same material. Yeah. But, you know, that, that allows them to weather nicely. I mean, the Felix Day one was unbelievable. It had salt crystals on it when it oh, yeah. went because it had just been there and it just been covered by salt and the, the you know the mist from the, the sea um is there any way you can enhance that by putting um a material on there i've never tried i'm sure that i'm sure if I, I looked into it but i quite like the idea that it ages and it kind of sits within the landscape and kind yeah. of eventually again again that's why i slightly disappointed about the felix Stowe one because i wanted it um i wanted the north sea to take it i mean it was done with a a, a company arts pro project team called peer projects and we we were supposed to have in the middle of felix so i mean the council got a little bit nervous and so generally like a lot of projects they start moving you away from people because they're yeah. worried that they might get complaints so that's, it went that's out, the trouble with bureaucracy yeah, isn't it yeah so but it went but it was in a beautiful place right outside um opposite this martello town but i knew that we found a kind of quite a solid bit of a beach it was dug into the beach but because it had vegetation and i thought it can't move that much yeah but there was still a little part of me was hoping big old storm comes over, takes it out, off it goes to Holland. Yeah. It never happened, unfortunately. But 
next one. <laughs> build it closer to the sea next time. <laughs> um, which piece that you've created do you reckon has got the strongest emotional connection? For, for most people, I think it's probably I Need This Wilderness From My Heart To Beat. That's the one that seems to get most yeah. people. Personally, um, I created a piece, um, an older piece, which says, while we have this moment, say something cinematic. And that was um, a piece which had a deck chair in the middle of it, a little patch um, piece, which um, I, I, that for me said everything about my artwork, kind of like this romantic, poetic notion, plus this very kind of quirky English, you know, deck chair kind of setting, you know, because there's nothing romantic about a deck chair. There's nothing yeah. romantic about sitting next to somebody and saying something nice. And then because you, you look like an arsehole getting off deck chairs, you know, you're going to roll out, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, you know, there's something, you know, inherently human about my work is, is the fact that I'm looking at real life situations and how even in the mundane, there's something romantic sometimes. For, for me, that for me, that's the one that speaks to me the most. And that's the one I was most proud of. But in terms of what the reaction from people is probably I need this wellness from my heart to be. Yeah. Wake up next to people who make you feel happy gets a lot of reaction uh, recently. But I quite like the fact that everyone who speaks to me about it thinks it's about waking up with multiple people rather than one person, which I quite like. I quite like the fact that they were like, yeah, here, seven people here in my bed. That's the beauty anyway, isn't it? Yeah. What, whatever leaves the artist studio then becomes a property. Exactly. Well, there's an ambiguity minds, to it, it, isn't it? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I, I, I like the fact that people will put their own meanings on it. And that's what you want from an artwork. You don't, yeah. you want people to latch onto it. Once it leaves your, your studio you know it, it becomes them it becomes their piece of work really doesn't it and, it, and that's yeah. what you hope with an artwork it's like a song you, you know you write a song don't you everybody has a different meaning to a song doesn't it well saying that about songs and obviously words and the poetic phrases the best love songs are normally made when you're at a low ebb oh yeah yeah how about your phrases do you know what point of mental state you are when the best ones of those come out i, I don't know I think I'm grumpy most of the time. No, I'm not grumpy. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a really difficult question because I, I think you don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, sometimes I don't know. it can just be during a conversation. Yeah, I think I think I, I think I get them from all places. I do. Yeah. I think yes. I think like probably some have come out of of being feeling a little bit little bit low. But again, you know, you could also say it's like, they come when there's a pressure of a show or something, and you got right. Oh, God, God, think of something. Come on, come on, come on. But again, like I said, some of it just comes, and I, I mean, I used to keep notebooks, but now it's my phone, and I write them down. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that then I'll look back if I'm needing something for a show, and so I think they come from all all, all sorts of places, really. Yeah. Uh, lots of conversations with people as well. Friends will say something, and I'll go, "That's brilliant. How's that not? A, you know, I'll write that yeah. down." Yeah. I was just about to say when I'm chatting with Ray Richardson, we would say something, and he'd just grab his pen, and write down a title for a future piece of work it may never come about but it's no, something that's within his sort of psyche you know Ray's great I remember him because he's, he's friends with Mark Ham Hampson that's uh, it oh, you knew Mark from RCA did you yeah yeah so, so Ray was quite um was around a lot when we when I was tr training so we've worked with him a couple of times at Jealous and it's, it's kind of again it's very weird when somebody's been there when you're doing your kind of training traineeship at, at yeah. art school and then he's you're then making work for him at another thing. So it's kind of he's a lovely chap, lovely chap, great bloke. How cool is Mark? Love Mark. Mark is um <laughs> I always remember he just he just he's just straight talking he is. That's, That's what brilliant. I love about Mark. He's just kinda of like he, he he doesn't suffer fools gladly, you know. He'll no. tell he'll tell me if my work was terrible, you know, no. and I love that. You know, I work on the yes and no answers, right? I'm not a maybe man. I'm not I need a yes or a no. Yeah. And Mark fits into that bracket. He would tell me if um, if something was crap and he'd tell me if something was right. And I love that. And I think that, again, I think people, it's about the speed in which you get people. Some people can't deal with that. Some people can't deal. And yeah, listen, my ego takes a, takes a hit every time that somebody, you know, somebody says that's not very good. Is it also, you know, or it's not something's not reacted to. Somebody told me years ago, if you can learn to accept the word no, you'll be fine as an artist. Yeah. Because... If you don't let, if you don't let that eat up you up inside, you'll then snowball onto the things you get given. And I think that Mark helped me understand that as well. It's because yes, he, he was straight talking. He talks, tell me how it was, and I go, all right, okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah, oh, God, I can't believe he said that. But then actually, you go, all right, 
he's helping me. If you can get back quickly as an artist and understand how people are actually telling you to do things and helping you in that way, then you'll learn quicker and move on. And art school is the perfect place to, to understand that because that's where the, the tutors would most easily say that that isn't working. And that's when you've got to put your ego down. Because yeah, there was, exactly. when I was at art school, there was people who couldn't fucking, they, they thought that that bit of criticism was negative. Yeah. And they was going, oh, they've, they've said this about my work, that about my work. And it's, it's fucking creative because they're saying, we're telling you that that's not quite working. Well, Re- I, have I got, a look at it and readjust. Well, I got referred at the end of the first year and I thought it was the end of the, end of the world. I thought that I was the best thing end of first year at Royal College. I thought, I'm here, I made it, blah, blah. You know, it's all mapped out. They're going to put a plaque on the wall with me. Yeah, name on I it. thought that is, you know, I thought they had that on order. You know, but I think a lot of people think that when they go to the Royal College and things like that, and they go to RA and blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and I remember, well, you know, I was talking with Mark. Mark said, no, you, we need you to just alter slightly, change a little bit. I mean, I was, I was devastated, pissed off. All my mates are outside in the park drinking and having a good time having picnics and I'm still over a LIFO bed and screen bed trying to mix it up with my artwork <laughs> to try, try and get through to my second year. Yeah. But, you know, when you're in that moment, you're like, what an arsehole. <laughs> yeah, know? of course. But you, I look back now and actually, thanks to Mark and, and, and the other teachers who did that, because it changed my my work and it it, it pushed me to do something different and, and got me out of that mindset but I thought that I knew what I was doing and actually, no, it took me on this different path. And I think that's a big life lesson. And so again, I'll be very, you know, eternally grateful. Again, it's an example of a teacher affecting the way you look at life. Yeah. And again, he's another art, art teacher that pushed me to where I am today. Brilliant. Have you ever seen anything about him online? Because he tries his fucking hardest not to be online. Yeah. Trying to find images of him. It, it's, it's very fucking hard work, but his work is fucking stunning, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, we've done. Well, he was in the show that you did, wasn't he? He was, got, was and, and he worked over Ray's. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I just, you know what? I never actually considered that, but it is really hard to find. I love that. No, he's lovely. I'm, and and I think that when he left to the Royal, Royal Academy, I think that the Royal College left, lost something. I think he really was good for the students and the well-being of the students. He cared for them and he pushed them. He did, and I think that sometimes you need someone who ruffles the feathers a little bit and says says it like it is because that's the only way you move forward sometimes. And if you can't if you can't if you can't handle it or you can't you can't process that let's be let, let's be a bit more PC. If you can't process that in a productive way then I don't know if you can work within the arts because I think that the arts is so subjective, objective whatever you want to say. You know, you people people like it or they don't like it. Yeah. People can be in the middle going, mm, but you know that's what's beautiful about being in the arts or being within a creative industry is the fact that you you have people who like it. You've had people. I, I know that people don't really like my artwork. I know that people like my artwork, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to, you've got to move on and let you know and learn to learn to live with it. Looking at your own taste, you know, you don't like every type of music. You know? No, 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 no. Definitely, exactly. And it's the same with art. You you like certain things. You don't like other things. I'm not saying that I don't appreciate the craft within something. Yeah. But, um yeah it's it is what it is you move on speaking of other other artists if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be god that's a big question should have sent me that sent me that beforehand no because it's Um, good getting this reaction i mean i'm gonna sound really really popularist and mainstream i am right but i'm gonna have to have warhol there because warhol without warhol uh, I wouldn't be making work. He just, yeah. he just, I just love, I love everything about Warhol. And I know that people go, oh, he's so, I can't believe he said Warhol. But yeah, Warhol. He's the most popular stated on this question. Yeah. Warhol, without, without a doubt. Um, then it gets a bit, bit more tricky. Um, I'd probably have Cy Twombly. Nice. Jasper Johns, simply because I think that Jasper Johns, for me, when I was earlier on, in the way he makes his marks and the draw marks, particularly his print make making marks, I, I just, just for me, just spoke to me. Loved it. Did you go yeah. to his RA show? Yeah. Amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, I just, I just think, and I spent years trying to 
you know you used to use on caustic you know with the wax in the oil yeah. he spent at years trying to recreate that in a different way but it always looked like a jasper johnson okay, right? <laughs> yeah um god dear me it's such a difficult question it really is I, it wouldn't be an artist but i'd probably throw in a printmaker or a print technician called ken tyler nice all right and ken tyler worked with all the great artists so if you look him look him up ken tyler and he worked with stella Liechtenstein, hockney and he worked out his, his house in california and he'd make these amazing prints and the prints were just they're just unbelievable. They are just really on really thick paper embossings and think, yeah. So Ken Tyler would probably be there to kind of mix it up a little bit. Brilliant. Talk about his, you know, his favorite canapé or whatever. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then finally, I said for fifth person. I don't know. I don't, it, it's so hard. It's so hard to, 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 to think about who your final artist is. Cause I probably missed out so many people I think are absolutely brilliant. I'm going to have a look behind here on me, uh, on my art shelf. Need a photographer. Oh, do you know what? Stephen Shaw. I'll throw Stephen okay. Shaw in. I need a. I need. I need a, a somebody else to mix it up with the printmakers. So yeah, Stephen Shaw, and I'd ask him to bring a thirty-five mil toy camera. You can, <laughs> and, you can, and you can take some lovely shots with that. You can. <laughs> and how about if you wasn't an artist, Adam? What do you reckon you'd like to be? I'd probably work in history or something. Probably something along those lines. Um, archaeologist or something like that. Because I'm something like I. I, I you know. Although I don't like digging that much. I'd be like pointing at things. Maybe dig there, dig there. I've got a feeling. Um, but, you know, I'd have probably, yeah, probably something along those lines, I reckon. Obviously, I'd love to be a footballer. I love football as well. That's my other passion in life. And um, I, I still Playing play or it. watching or both? Oh, both. I, I play every week. I do. Um, you wouldn't believe it from my, my, uh, my bodily shape, but um, hit it up to the big man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but um, no, I genuinely think I get so on a Wednesday night. So I'm a chairman of a local football club. Uh, that was too many Stellas, which my my wife always reminds me of. But I took that on, and I love that. I love, but I genuinely love, you know, we're a growing club, and I and and I love the fact that we give the opportunity for lots of children in the area to play. And also, there's a vets team which I play for there, and we've got a men's team hopefully coming next year. And this is about development. Yeah. So I play every Wednesday. I do um, training. <laughs> <laughs> Does it knock it out? Well, yeah. The brain's still there, the legs haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely love um rub it and you know, we got we got we got season tickets to Cambridge United and so me and the kids go up there and, and sorry my wife as well, we go up there um every other Saturday. Nice. Uh, but I'm an you know, I'm an Arsenal fan generally. I'm that's um that's my that's my granddad's fault. He told me I never because I was I was born late seventies, early eighties and he and he supported Arsenal, he said and all my mates were supporting Liverpool at that stage because they just won everything. Yeah. And he goes, you are not supporting Liverpool. Good right? man. Don't you dare. And so, you know, that's why I supported, that's why I'm... And is this the granddad that was in Mill Hill? No, this is a, that was a granddad actually out of Mill Hill. This is the one that taught me how to do biplanes. Yeah. Well, my granddad who was in Mill Hill, I don't think he even liked football. I, I never... <laughs> He I thought you were going to say he didn't even like me then. Well, I don't know. Well, he might not have. But, I mean, um, I, my background, I always remember, remember because I can't pronounce my T and H's. They all, they all sound like F's. Yeah, so yeah. he would always forever say to me, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. <laughs> the plane. And I, could, and I still couldn't do it. I still, so um, well, when I used to write songs and in, you know, when I had bands and things, I'd try and avoid putting words which had T-H's in because I can't pronounce them. <laughs> like the fellow of fools and horses, isn't it? So, you know, you go, how much is that? Free. What? It's free. What? Nothing, nothing, no, three, three pounds. But what? <laughs> it's in my head. I, 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 honestly, even at 42 years old now, I still think about it. I'm like, T-H, God, no, no. But again, I think that feeds in, I'm a, I'm a bit dyslexic and things like that, and I think that's probably helped me in a weird yeah. way. I think, I think that you learn to cope with, or learn mechanisms to, to learn and, and, and move forward. And I think that that probably, in a way, adds to your creativity. So, yeah, although I do think about the THs a lot, in other ways, it probably helped me. You know what I mean? Of course. And this won't be coming out for probably till September or something. Have you got anything coming up? What have I got coming up later in the year? I've got, I've got a part of a group show in Amsterdam later on in the year, um, working towards... So, basically, I'll work towards a solo show next year. Not sure when that will be, what or what it will be at the moment, but that, generally I like to try and have a solo show every other year. Have you got the format of that in mind yet? Not yet, not yet. Generally, 
it'll work. I'll panic about a month to go before. Yeah, it. of course. <laughs> but there's lots, yeah, lots of things, <clears throat> lots of kind of installs, signs, signs looking towards that at the moment. Some additions uh, to be made for galleries and various things. Nothing concrete at the moment, but just busy with various bits and pieces. And then yeah. next year we'll do, we'll, like I said, we'll we'll do a show, uh, look to do a solo show, mix up a little bit, see where work is. I mean that weird kind of moment because I had the show at Jealousy in the last year, and it went very well. But then you kind of start to kind of question who you are as an artist and what you want yeah. to do because you obviously think oh, i don't want to do the same there i want to do something different and then you go what is different and you go i don't know what to do and then it, i'm back stage at the moment yeah different is unsure isn't it yeah different is unsure and, and and i'm just waiting for that moment but you create something you go oh that's got some legs got something yeah 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 and that's and that's where i'm at at the moment i'm i'm making and i'm happy with what i'm making because it ticks boxes and it's right for what we need for the briefs of various things but for me for a show i need i need to do something else do you know what i mean to satisfy the urge as a yeah. practitioner and, I, and i'm not there at the moment it's funny that isn't it as a uh, as any creative what you're saying there is you get comfortable when you find something that is working you've done a lot of hard work to make your life easy and then after a little while of it being easy you think this easy is a bit too easy. I need yeah. to sort of, as you say, worst, ruffle it up a little bit. The worst thing is, and I, one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to, people to kind of go, he's a guy who just wrote, I need this wilderness on everything. Yeah. You know, because, you know, again, that's one, you know, going back to that patch of it, I made a load of those and they did very well. People liked them. But for me, I don't want to be pigeonholed as, oh, he's the patch artist or he's the, <laughs> yeah. you know, for me, I want to be able to people to go back. Yeah, do you know what? He, you know, he mixed things up a little bit and he tried different things and some things. Are, well, the thing is, good. even the people that would say that, they're going to say that anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But if you've got loads of groups of people saying, oh, he does the patch, he does the poems, he, yeah. does, he does the eyes, you know, you've got loads of little groups who are identifying you, putting you in their own little pigeonhole. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to happen anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? In your head, you're just going to go, I want to. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll go. We'll go to the next thing. Maybe eyes with text. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> and Adam, where can anyone find you online, be it website or social media? So my website, adambridgeland.co.uk, uh, Instagram, adam underscore bridgeland. And then also you can look at various galleries I work with. So Jealous, obviously, um, Tag, Fine Arts, Peacock up in Aberdeen as well, Circle, Contemporary Down in, in Cornwall. Um, I've probably forgotten lots of other people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if for people I've forgotten, look at my website and I list them there. I do. <laughs> yeah, I do apologise. I do apologise, but they're all wonderful people. I just, you know, putting on the spot. It's a bit like the dinner, dinner party thing. I don't, I, you know, your mind goes blank of artists. Of course. You yeah. mentioned that, that you've got a, um, a piece in, in Kensington coming up. And as you may be aware, I've recorded with nearly every artist from the Kensington Chelsea Art Week this year, as I did last year. Could you tell us a bit about this artwork, where it is and what it's about? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it kind of came out, I mean, it kind of came out of the blue. Like, um, I knew it was going to, there was a potential that it might happen, and then it didn't happen, and then discussions just came out of the blue, and, we, and it happened very, very quickly, really. Not a lot of time to think about it. Um, but we, uh, the organisers uh, of the Art Trail um, and Vistalia discussed with the possibility of what of a, a sign that would kind of connect, uh, I don't know, the theme of this year um, and something that would connect to the area. Um, and I felt that where it was going, which is kind of, it's, not, it's right on the, on the kind of Heathrow path, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. that, when you, so when you look up in the sky, it's that, 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 the activity all around that West London area is so... Where is it precisely, Ed? Yeah, so basically, it's, a, it's in a great place, actually. It's on, it's on the... Uh, it's not a gyratory, but it's... You know when you're coming down from White City? Yeah. And then you're coming down onto High Street, Kensington, and then you kind of turn right down to Olympia. It's oh, yeah, I know, on, yeah. On, on that... It's not a roundabout. It's not really a gyratory, but it's, it, it's got a kind of circular feel. Yeah, I know the bit you mean. Um, and and it's if you're coming from White City, um, is that Holland Park Road? I think, and oh, then going onto High Street, Ken. Yeah. The, the the sign is basically directly directly opposite that junction, and so it's great. And you're going into Warwick Gardens. Nice. And what I really reason I really liked. It, I mean, we looked at 
when we were installing it a week ago, we looked at two or three locations. But what I liked about that is it opens up, so you've got a good vista, which is important for the because that's probably spoken to you about before about yeah. getting the vista for these signs just right. And it's got as you go into Warwick Gardens, it has this amazing this palm tree or, or it's like, you know, it, and this kind of column. And it looked it could it could look like the south of France or something. Yeah. You know, like um and or kind of a Mediterranean kind of coastal town. And so for me that was the most interesting because you kind of it, you know it, it looks like it's just landed there in 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 this urban you know noisy <laughs> area and i mean i always remember that area because obviously all the art fairs we've done at the Olymp- at olympia yeah. and then being at royal college that was kind of the far end of high street kensington and so it it kind of felt good going back to that area and creating something for people um can kind of come and enjoy and view and enjoy the view against the text. Um, yeah, it's it's just. Um, and what is the artwork of... you've installed, Ed? So it's called it's called Look at the Sky Because Everything Is Alive. Nice. And I think that um, going back to what I was saying about how busy the skies are around. Yeah. There, um, you know, I think that that's it, it makes real sense that connection between because obviously that's where the work you know is it is it its strongest is when the sky is blue and you see these you know planes coming across and, and it goes clear skies with the stars as well it's yeah. you know there is um you know that's the tr- truth about it is you know look at the skies everything is alive you know it's constantly moving constantly changing you know it, it goes about that idea of for me you know we talked about how these signs they're never the same at any given time you know during the day or during the night they always yeah. change it depends on when you look at them it will always provide you with a different landscape to look against. And I think that, that this work is really strong and that, that message is really strong against with that idea. Brilliant. I'll let you get back on with your day. Thank you very much for your time, mate. <laughs> no worries, uh, buddy. I appreciate it. Sorry it's a bit late. Oh, you're you know, more than um, welcome. Um, and we'll catch up in person soon, all right? It'll be good to have a beer or something, yeah? All right, me all, mate. I'll speak Cheers, soon. Buddy. Thank Cheers, you. Mate. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello. I'm Vistalia Chilton, the director of Kensington Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The artist you've just been listening to is part of the Kensington Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The Art Trail starts on the 18th of June and ends on the 31st of August. You can find all the details on our website, kcaw.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, Zadar. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.